0: Grace, mercy, and peace be and abide with each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. So I wonder how honest uh, you are with yourselves this morning. Here we are, uh, a people that are a, a sacramental people. We believe in the sacraments, that is, the means of grace that not only does God reveal and extend to us his love, his grace, life, and forgiveness in his very word itself, but he also comes to us through the means of our baptism and at the table of the sacrament of his body and blood, means by which he extends to us that love, that life, and that forgiveness that can be found nowhere else. Back to me saying, I'm wondering a little bit how honest you are being with yourselves this morning. But here we are with, you know, these texts regarding baptism. Now, the baptism of John was a baptism of repentance. It was that of, you know, well, maybe we could refer to it as a believer's baptism like uh, a Reformed church, a Baptist, Pentecostal that it's more of a public testimony about what I am saying and acknowledging rather than what God is doing in my life. And we have then Jesus himself come forward, and you've know, you probably heard enough sermons on saying, well, Jesus didn't need to repent because in no way was he sin. What he did was be obedient to what would be the command of God himself, demonstrating that he was stepping in and he was taking our place. Then you have this powerful, but if you are honest, challenging chapter in Romans from Paul about baptized into Christ. It's a little bit confusing. Now you might think I got a leg up on you because I'm the pastor, because I went to you know, a you know, uh, Christian Lutheran college. I you know, did my pre-seminary studies along with you know, my undergraduate studies and communications. I went to the seminary. I did the full track. And yes, I had classes that address the sacraments and baptism, but there are some days when I walk in here and I look at it, and I'm like, hmm. Driving up to Ocala uh, this week on Tuesday, um, you know, sometimes I use it as, you know, call time to make calls on people by phone and pray with people and, other times I'm using it for my own devotional time, I have uh, audio devotions that you know I'm trying to continue to make sure I'm staying grounded and fed, but sometimes I turn on the radio for me, though that is the Christian stations, and I got one, uh, a sermon by a gentleman that I often listen to and truly respect his um, view of the word of God as the inerrant view of God, but this is one of those places where so often we veer off differently than where many are, or they from us. Because in no way, even though he used the word, we believe in the sacrament, but they just believe in it as a reminder of what Christ has done for us and how by our faith we are connected to him. But folks, we need to be open as hard as it is in our human minds for you and me to comprehend, to grasp, and to understand what God has said and what he is doing there, that doesn't change the reality. Kind of like when you and I go outside and the wind will be blowing as the you know, front begins to go through, right? Do you not believe in the wind just because you can't see it? <laughs> and likewise, maybe we need to consider that when it comes to these mysterious, supernatural, and wonderful gifts of our God. So I wonder, how many of us, uh, when we begin to think about ourselves and you know, our qualifications, where we stand, maybe even particularly at the beginning of a new year when we think of the year past or the years past in our life and we are looking about where we stand right now, how many of us have the word arise in our mind or our heart somewhere that says, and you're unqualified? Now that's a a word that none of us want to hear. You know, I'm not qualified for the team. I'm not, you know, qualified to be part or attend this school or Or when we were, you know, uh, applying for various jobs and, you know, we don't want to hear that employer say, well, I'm sorry, you're not qualified. You know, I read recently how the average employer looks at a resume, ready, for six seconds. The time that it takes for me to, even less, pick up a cup and drink a sip of water. That employer will evaluate your whole life and whether or not you are qualified and you make the cut. How interesting. But you know, vying for a job has even more than about, you know, um, do we just qualify? even if we're prepared, even if we, you know, begin the process, we make the first cut, we even, you know, get that first round interview, eventually it comes down to this, do we have what it takes to get the job done? There are, are, are some days when you and I, you know, uh, would be sitting there in that situation, and we would say resoundingly, yes, absolutely, I've got the education, I've got the knowledge, I've got the skills, maybe even I've got the experience. But You might think back to a few of the interviews along the way in your life and think at times you're sitting there thinking, I'm not so sure, it seems like my list of you know, shortcomings or areas of challenge are greater than my Strengths, you know, that common question of, tell me two of your strengths and tell me two of your weaknesses. How easy it is for us to begin to recognize we just don't stand up to the qualifications. Do you measure up? You and I live in a society, in a a day that's constantly evaluating whether you and I make the cut or not. Whether we like it or not, this world is always evaluating us. Some people think that God works like this. (laughs) That God is, you know, perpetually always evaluating us, that He's kind of like this disinterested boss, you know, and you know, He barely ever notices us. And when it does, it seems to be, you know, about you know, some kind of judgment, you know, uh, about something we've done wrong, or he's trying to trip us up. Well, let me tell you that that is totally an unbiblical idea because the scriptures make it very clear that we have a loving, gracious God who is Father. And not only that, but the truth is we're the ones who trip ourselves up. It's called sin. It's called our, our broken nature. It's called, you know, our own actions. We are sinful. And that's why the Apostle Paul here proclaims a whole new way of life that changes everything a life with God that is exciting, a life that's filled with grace, a, a life that you know, through the power of baptism in his name breaks us free from the power of sin and guilt to live this new transformed life in Christ. It's very different. See, at this point in the writing of Paul to the Uh, Church of Rome, he has been spending five chapters up to this point celebrating this free gift of salvation, of God's grace, and that this gift is for all people. But now he asks this question then, saying, what shall we say in response to this? To me, it kind of sounds like a great question that we might ask ourselves as we begin a new year. It's asking, how can you move forward from the old life to the new life, from a life of sin to a life of grace, from a life of hopelessness to a life of hope? You know, There were some who, who thought God's good news meant that they could now sin even more. But God had a whole new way of life for them. So what are you qualified to do? With all our old, broken, rebellious failures, with our poor record, our, our needy natures, what are we supposed to do in order to live in God's forgiving and renewing grace? How do we measure up to God's standard? Do we stay in that old sinful life that we were living, that God's grace might abound? See, he's referring to chapter 5, verse 20, when he you know, has told them about you know, uh, how grace continues to abound with you know, whatever sin there is, grace abounds. And they're basically saying, well, should we go on sinning, that there might even be more grace? And by the way, that's not a joke. They were serious. They thought that this forgiveness that Paul had been preaching and teaching to them about was giving them a license to go on sinning, to do whatever they wanted. Because with that, more grace, more forgiveness would be extended. So basically, maybe we need to ask ourselves, do we hang on to our flawed resumes hoping that God might somehow show us even more mercy. That was the idea in Paul's day. Roman spiritual practices were immoral and self-indulgent. Living in impurity, pleasing yourself, was said to be a way of connecting to the gods. Notice that's little g. And yes, they thought they were more than one. The more people became steeped in those practices that served themselves, the more society became fragmented, corrupt, and their own relationships deteriorated. Life was empty, life was dark, life seemed to be filled with regret. And yes, this still happens today. Some even, without much hesitation, say we're looking more and more like Rome. Maybe that's something for us to consider when we look at our own lives, and maybe it's something for us to consider when we uh, note those that we can and should be having an influence on. It may not be driven, though, in our case, by a group of Roman gods, but holding on to our flawed resumes with the hope that more self-indulgence will fulfill us. A few years ago, there was a word or more appropriately an acronym, but it was used uh, as a word, and it was YOLO, and it stood for You Only Live Once. And it was popularized by a contemporary song, not Christian, I can tell you that, but it was popularized, this YOLO concept. You only live once, where you began to see on the news where, well, you would see, you know, retirees spending their life savings gambling or on some wild adventure saying, YOLO, you only live once. Or you'd find young people who were forsaking their jobs and their careers and, and their responsibilities with you know, their families and all so that they could literally dance the night away or you know, travel or just kind of you know, follow the road and see where I end up tomorrow but it only led them to temporary pleasure. Ultimately, it ended in emptiness and regret. The question then for us is how are we living for the moment? We may not be taking daring risk or or dancing the night away, but perhaps we are often focused on satisfaction here and now Maybe it is where we, you know, instead of focusing in on ourselves and self-responsibility and self-responsibility and uh, self-reflection, we instead talk about others that makes us feel better when we compare ourselves to them and tear them down. Maybe it's carelessness towards our family that's causing long-term wounds while we, you know, seek accolades and adventure. All of these different things they can put the future in jeopardy, and not only for ourselves, but for others. Selfishness makes you feel better, but it hurts those around you. A YOLO life ultimately interferes with the purpose for life that God has intended for us. But let me set you straight, by the way, from God's Word. You don't live only once. You and I, either we are going to spend the next life in eternity before the one who is the Savior of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ, or we are going to spend it separated from him for all eternity in the fires of hell. By the way, that's not a very popular thing to say, is it? Well, how could that be a loving God who would ever send anyone into such a a setting, or cause such pain, but we only speak the truth, and we do so in love, my friends. Yes, uh, there is indeed more than one life. Yesterday, sitting with uh, Gary Garropy after the death of his uh, wife uh, last Sunday morning, uh, Betty, We were celebrating her life, but as we gathered, I will tell you, at least in this case, there were no tears. Why? Well, I can tell you I have some powerful pictures in my mind. I don't really have photographic memory, but there are things God ingrains in my mind. And by the way, it's often happening with you and with me as well when I see you. But I would watch Betty sitting uh, back in that corner Frail as often could be, probably didn't weigh more than about 80 pounds. Hmm. But when she would come to this altar, her face would beam, her eyes would glisten, and as she received the gift of God's grace, oh, the smile on her face. Why? Because Betty knew that this was not the only life. Be honest. What's on your resume? See, no matter what we've accomplished or how great we appear to be on the outside, how good we are, the good things we do, the way we serve the Lord, there are also plenty of failures. It's true for me, it's true for you. And before a holy God, our resumes, truthfully, they don't look very great. Even the psalmist writes in Psalm 130, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Sometimes you've got to read the word with a little bit of emphasis like that. But there's also there's a, there's a sense of a, a shaking in our need. We are all unqualified for God's gracious favor. We don't measure up. And so that means that, well, life is lost. Later in Romans, however, Paul goes on in verse 23 to say this boldly. The wages of sin is death. So that's on your resume. Death. But before you give up, let's continue to read that, because there is a word of encouragement. Our flawed, our incomplete resume does also, does not have the last word. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but hear the rest. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ. Not in James, not in whatever your name is. In Christ is the free gift of God. In Christ is that life that is to come, that eternal life. This, my friends, changes everything. Let me just... Having that on your mind right now, listen again to some of the reading that came from Romans 6 today. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Listen, he goes on to say, "...for if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old selves were crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin." Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. Hmm. On our resume, is both death and resurrection life. In our baptism, as we are connected to Christ, as his name is put on us and we are named Christian, marked by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Everything has changed. If we brought our resume forward on our own, there's no way we make the cut. Six seconds and we're over in the trash heap. But our resume's, with Christ, we indeed make the cut. We indeed have received you know, the prize and the gift of his grace and life eternal. Now, everything's changed. But take that a little further. We no longer live to sin. change it's a perpetual ongoing process leaving behind the old moving forward to the new you and i we should not be the same as we were in 2019 we should be discovering anew what it means for us to be in christ children of god redeemed by the blood of jesus christ brought up in the resurrection of christ jesus in our baptism. And not only that, by the way, I think it's pretty wonderful that the trees are still up here because they're not just Christmas trees. They're epiphany trees. That light, that continues to remind you and me that the light of Christ has come into the world for Jew and Gentile both. And that light Reminds you and me as we walk out of here that we have been filled with that light of Christ and we carry that light into the world. Yeah, you and I, we live in a world of self indulgence. We live in a world where people, you know, try to, you know, find their standard, their value, their worth, their acceptance on their own. But there's no way they'll ever do it. But as we shine that light of Christ into them, the darkness scatters. We can be a vessel that the Lord can use that no longer will they believe that somehow you only live once, but they will realize that they can live again anew with Christ for all eternity. And so, my friends, as we conclude, celebrate, rejoice that indeed you are qualified through what Christ has done. You are bound to Him. You are connected to Him. You are in Christ through your baptism and faith in Him. And you now live as His child and His light in this world, sharing that same message that changes everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.